This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. God's Word, and I think come away benefiting from that. We're so we've been kind of talking about um, we've been kind of talking about what it means to be near and enjoy God's presence, and I think there is uh, times when most of us would probably say. Uh, man, I had a really, I had like a deep sense of the glory and the majesty and the goodness of God. Um, you know, for parents, when you have your your child like say something cute or like tell you that they love you or like do something like you, like you finally, like they did it, you know, <laughs> like when you've been trying for a while, you're just like, wow, you know, you're just like, there's like those, wow, like this is cool and like God is at work and there's something really beautiful here. Um, when they throw up downstairs and you have to go clean it up. It's it's a, a, a it's a different story, um, and in a sense, like even there's moments where where it's it's just yeah it's just harder. And I think the same you know what you know we live in Colorado, so uh, we like to escape to the mountains. And there's just like a measure of glory and goodness and awe and just like wow you know. Um, I love the pictures from your guys' trip. <laughs> Like, I know you, t- you take enough pictures of the mountains and you see someone else's picture and you're like, oh, I wish I was there. Because, like, the picture tells me it's, like, not that cool in the picture, but, like, if you were there, like, the feeling of that is, like, so much more awesome, you know? Um, but then, you know, at the same time, you can uh, be at work on uh, a Thursday looking forward to the weekend and it's things are chaos and, and things are are miserable and it's difficult for us. And I think rightfully, I mean, I'm not trying to to minimize this. It's, there are just times when we're struggling uh, or when we're suffering where it's hard for us to really believe that we can have a, a true and a good and a, like a felt sense of God genuinely being at work in our life. Uh, and, I, and I think the kind of the, and we're going to look at the passage, but uh, the way I've sort of thought about it is like, if we have this beautiful life where we can be near and enjoy who God is, like, how do we deal with that when we're wrestling with like humiliation? Because I think that's just like a hard, like our, being humiliated is just like a really hard place to be. And I, I was, you know, sometimes our humiliation comes from like our own failures. Uh, our, we're just, you know, drop the ball on something. Uh, you, you know, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw Bridget under the bus a little bit. It's fine, she's not here. Um, she forgot to put uh, an appointment on her work calendar. And so now like all the things for this particular appointment fall on me. It's like, it's okay. Like, but it's like, it's humiliating when you just make a, a little bit of a mistake. You know, you're like, that's just not, uh, no one wants to be in that position. I, sometimes, sometimes things are humiliating because we try really hard at something. We do our, we feel like we did a good job. And then someone comes along and reminds us that uh, we didn't. And we're just like, great. You know, this is just, it's a humiliating experience. Um, <laughs> we good? <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, it sounds good. Love you. 
Huh? Yeah. I w- <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, that actually may cancel that appointment tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, sometimes I feel like there's a humiliation that comes from just being rejected by other people. You know, whether that's like, man, I don't, I mean, it is when uh, I, when, when I don't, even if it's my fault, and it is often, so I'll throw myself into the bus, and Bridget is less affectionate towards me because of me, because of me, that's so hard. Like, that's the person I like, I, that's like humiliating for me. I'm just like, you know, like when we, it's some, when it's someone that we love and care about, uh, or a good friend, or even like a, a parent, you know, our parents are good enough to like not do that to us as often, but they do. Like they're, people rejecting us is like humiliating. And sometimes it's, there's like a sense in which we like understand where they're coming from and we kind of beat ourselves up. Sometimes we're coming from the best place and there's like a rejection and a humiliation. And that's like, that's, a, I f- that's even worse. We just feel like, ugh, there's like, what in the world is going on there? Um, I think, you know, I've been wrestling with my own, um, I'm, li- I'm limited, you know? Like right now, I'd love to be helping my wife out. And like, I, but I'm limited. Like I, my limitations in some ways are, are humiliating because I'm like, I want, I want to put my hands, I want to like help, I want to like be involved. And, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't all the time. Like, if I'm, you know, or you're only one person, you can only do so much. And so I think when I, I'm, I'm bringing all this up because I'm trying to make a contrast between like these moments of like the majesty and awesome glory of God where we're just like, yes, you know, more of that, you know, even just like singing this, uh, this morning, uh, love the choices that been made and just being able to like ask the spirit to be present and to enjoy him and to think about Jesus' love for us and how it's deep and he, he cares. It's like these moments where we're just like, I'm so thankful and near and close to God. And then there, on the flip side, there's these like humiliating, just like what in the world kinds of places that we're in. And it's like, how do we deal with the humiliating, suffering, low points and what does that look like then when it comes to like being near God when we're in that space? And that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. And, and uh, you're probably wondering, what in the world does this have to do with the few verses? But I, pro- I promise I'll get to, I'll get to that. Um, but, but where I want to kind of just say, I, I want to teach her, you know, people are teaching you, you say what you're going to say, you repeat what you're going to say, then you say what you're going to say again. Um, but the, what I'm going to kind of come back to at the end and I'm going to say right now is we're never going to have the peace and joy of God if we don't believe he's good and loving in our humiliation. We're never going to have the peace and joy of God if we don't believe, if we don't believe, we don't genuinely believe that he's good and loving in our humiliation. And even from like a theological perspective, like we talk about God is uh, unchanging, eternal, and is, uh, it, you know, he's working all things after the counsel of his will for those who love him. He's like, he's ordering our lives for a good purpose. But I, but I think we need to really consider and like 
come to terms with the reality that in our most humiliating moments, God is being really good and you're really loving towards you even then. Like we have to believe that. And where I feel like this is illustrated is in the story, the little snippet that we read, because Jesus begins his public ministry with great humiliation, with a public humiliation. And you might say, um, Aaron, the sky was ripped open. That sounds like a a big high five, (laughs) you know? Um, But let's go back a few verses. Chapter one, verse three, and I'm not gonna relive all of that. Um, It says, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh, make his path straight. He's, he's, He's announcing this like wonderful reality that God is about to show up. That this is the, this is the beginning of the gospel of, of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So he's like, the, even in the first couple of verses, there's just like really high, lofty language. And then John appears, and we talked about this last time. He says, someone is coming who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So, so we have like a buildup of like the greatness and the glory and the majesty and the like weightiness of the one who we're preparing to show up on the scene. And then we get verse nine. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, which um, it's interesting in Luke, like twice, they're like Nazareth of Galilee is like you, you know, like it says, does anything good come from there? And it makes me think of like when I lived in Omaha, What's the what's the uh, the meme with Simba where he's like everything the light touches, you know? And then it's like the darkness is like don't go. Over. I don't remember the line, but the meme in Omaha was like that's Council Bluffs. <laughs> Nothing good comes from Council Bluffs. <laughs> you know, so then we call it Council Tucky. And then everyone in Council Bluffs said the same thing about Omaha, and it was you know, as people moving from Denver to there were like, how is it different? It's like literally the same city, you know. But there's a river running in between, so everyone's pointing at the other people as being totally different. But that's kind of the reputation that Jesus had. So, so right away, Mark is hinting at this reality that Jesus is coming from like the worst, like not a good place. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's the first line that Mark gives us of Jesus. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. And if we read some of the other gospel stories, we get a little bit of that expanded. John didn't see Jesus and say, you repent, come here, be baptized. He's saying what he said in Mark. He's like, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of this one who is to come because he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the king. He will baptize you with the spirit. He's greater and mightier and more majestic than I can even communicate to you. And then he shows up on the scene from Nowheresville, Israel, and participates in a baptism that's meant to cleanse you of your sins. Well, use that meant to meant to communicate that you're turning from your sin and you're reorienting your life back to God. 
Jesus is showing up publicly humbling himself. That's how he starts his ministry, with humiliation. And he doesn't even like, you know, Matthew gives us a little bit of, a little bit more. And he kind of, the reason he gives to John, John is like sticking to his guns and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Me baptize you? Like, it's almost like in the same way Peter rebukes Jesus for talking about dying. And he's like, hey, he rebukes. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And says, you're, you're concerned about the things of the world. Jesus shows up to John and John's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, no, thank you. And he says, I want you to do this. I want to publicly humble myself in front of the crowds that are there because I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. In a a sense, he's, he's humbling himself. He's humiliating himself, not for his good, but for yours. That's how he starts his ministry, with humiliation. I'm kind of looking at this from a few different angles. And the first one is uh, Jesus as God. Because there's a lot of things going on right here. Uh, I mean, anytime you have Jesus, who is the God-man, doing things, uh, the theology and the lenses which you can look through that are, are a few. Um, so you have Jesus, we, we, we can talk about the hypostatic union, like he's God and he is man, and those things are brought together, they're not mixed, one's not less, one's not, he's not less human and mostly God, he's not totally God and less human. Uh, the, we're, we confess, it's part of our, uh, the London Baptist Confession, that those things are both equally true. He's a real dude, he got tired, he got hungry, he felt humil- humiliation, and yet, he is God. So if we think about this reality of Jesus as God, he's communicating to us in the very first act of his ministry the character of the one that we worship. Like if you want to know what your heavenly father is like, if you want to like have things to hold on to that say, this is God, and this is how he is, Jesus is the one most clearly communicating that to you. He's showing you, we, I mean, oh, we, I love what Ben was saying earlier when we were, when we were uh, reflecting on the call to worship. God is bigger than we can imagine, right? He, we, he has orchestrated believers from all over the globe Today, this morning, and for the next, you know, 24 hours back and forth as, you know, the days shift around the world, uh, to worship him. All languages, all cultures, all, you know, uh, Joel Hilner, our missionary to Africa, was sending some pictures, and we've shared some of that stuff a little bit, um, but it's like a whole other world over there <laughs> in, in the way that they worship and gather, uh, the way that they sing. And yet, that's how God is, is spreading his good news, spreading the, the gospel in this. He is so much bigger, so much greater than we could ever imagine. Here we are all participating in this like worldwide pause to say God is so great and so good. 
And the first thing he does when he shows up and begins his ministry in Mark is humiliate himself for you. That's the kind of God that we worship. He's willing to suffer publicly because he has affections for you. We know, uh, we know John 3.16, you know, uh, but I thought it was interesting. 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is how we know what love is is that this big God, this creator of all things, the one who sustains us by the word of his power, stepped into time and space and the first act of his ministry in the gospel of Mark was to humiliate himself for your good. He's communicating, Jesus as God is communicating the character of the one we worshiped us. And that's just one of the like lenses we can kind of see this through. But he's also a guy, you know? Jesus is a man. So in the same way he's communicating the the character of our God, in the same way he's demonstrating this God that we worship in and through everything that he's doing as we walk through the gospel of Mark, he's also a guy, (laughs) a dude, a person, showing us the way, like showing us how we ought to operate. Like he, he is demonstrating for all of us to see what it looks like to do all of this part of the Bible in the Old Testament exactly perfectly right. He's showing us what does it mean if you're to love God and you're to love your neighbor, which are the two greatest commandments, and then consider all the buns below it? You know, then there's the top 10 list after that, and then there's Leviticus. There's a ton of, of like, do this, don't do this kind of things. He's showing us as the perfect person what it looks like to love God and love our neighbor. And it's interesting to me, maybe it's not, okay. It rubs against everything, I'll say it this way. It rubs against everything inside of me to say that my unjust humiliation would be a way that love is communicated to others. Jesus was the Messiah. He is the son of God. I mean, that's how Mark starts it. And, and with the quote from Isaiah, he's Yahweh. If anyone should be humiliated, it's not Jesus. So it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know what else to put that. It's really uncomfortable for me to just look at what Jesus is doing in this passage and think to myself that my suffering, my humiliation, unjustly especially, my sharing in that reality that is 
lowering myself for the good of other people around me is actually a very clear way to communicate love to other people. Or, or even, I would say, in some sense, the, the most clear way. John said, this is how we know love, that he like did this for us. And maybe that's, you know, I think it's a, well, I'll back up a little bit. I'll say the question a different way. What is, what, hum, like, hmm, I'm gonna, let me, don't tell Brene Brown I said this, but think about what brings you shame. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. What, like, what are you ashamed of? is like another way to say what humiliates me. And those are very related terms. Like, what are you ashamed of? And has God brought that situation, is the good and loving God brought that situation into your life so that you can demonstrate your love towards him or your love towards others. And I think there's, you know, we're not perfect like Jesus, right? So when I think, when I think about what I'm ashamed of, I think about where I fall short, like where, like where I drop the ball where I am like embarrassed because I'm not, um, you know, there are, there are times where other people w were working to humiliate me in ways that I think are inappropriate, but that's an opportunity for me to like move towards that person and really demonstrate the love and the character of the God that we worship. But even still, when it's like my own failure, when I fall short or when I'm just like recognizing and I'm ashamed of, of what I've done or what I might do or what I am doing, and it just like had that like kind of, I don't want to say pit, but that like clinching here in your chest and you're just like, ugh. That, what a moment to then think, this is why Christ has done everything for you. This is why God continues to draw near to you. Like how much more gracious and kind and loving and good is it when we're, when we're in our deepest, when we're feeling our deepest shame about something and we really believe that God is so good and so loving towards me in that moment still. He doesn't love you any less when you're ashamed of what you've done or what you will do or what you did than when you were like, on your best reading your Bible streak or whatever you, you know, whatever you want to feel good about. When you crush it at work <laughs> that day, you know, when you got the most elevation on the slopes, I don't, whatever, whatever thing makes you like feel good about yourself and whatever thing brings you shame or humbles you or humiliates you, it doesn't actually change, change at all God's affections for you or his desire to be near you or good that he's sharing with you. First Peter talks about this a little bit. It's a 
read it, but I like him in the context in front of me. First Peter 3, 8 and 9. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Humble sounds so good. I, anytime I read humble, I like to just tra- like transpose in humiliated mind. I mean, this is, that feels more, you know? He's asking us to have a posture of humiliation in here. <laughs> it says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. That you may obtain a blessing. You were called to, re- to step into humiliation, to recognize my failures and my humiliation so that you would obtain a blessing. And I think this is where we get to see, we, saw, we see Jesus as God communicating his character, We saw Jesus as a man kind of showing us the way and like what it looks like to actually love our neighbor and love others. But we get to see Jesus as a man enjoying God. We get to see Jesus as a person, as a normal person, actually enjoying God. Here he is humbling himself publicly, starting his ministry this way, And God blesses him in the story and demonstrates his love and his kindness and his grace towards Jesus, the man who knows what it feels like to be humiliated as he was baptized by John. I I love the way Mark, you know, we get this immediately word in Mark all the time, and it's kind of neat to kind of notice where it was. So here's Jesus. He humiliated himself. And verse 10 says, and when he came up out of the water, Immediately, he saw the heavens being ripped open, the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. How do you think that made Jesus feel? (laughs) After humbling himself for us, And now God literally tears open the heavens and says, you're my son and I'm super pleased with you. You're the best. This is Jesus as a man receiving the blessing that Peter was talking about. It is Mark, Mark brings up this word about the tearing open of the heavens uh, in two places, in the beginning and the end, of, the end of Mark. Mark chapter 15. I don't think this is a coincidence. You can always like, I don't know, when people are, anytime you read like a commentator, you get like a lot of things like, well, the original audience probably thought this, or which is a good like historical question, like what was going on in history. Another question is like Mark's intention, like what was Mark's intention to communicate? 
And like, you know, you can look at the context and see uh, as he's telling the story, uh, like trying to decipher, like what is Mark actually trying to communicate to us? And that's a good question. But, but like what the original audience thought or what Mark thought in his head, we can only get so far in that, you know. But I think as believers, as Christians who believe that this is God speaking to you, the God's word right here. It's, this is the, there's one author of all of these books and he's saying something to you. I think anything that's consistent with the rest of scripture, we can say God in his infinite wisdom intended for us to receive and, and grow and learn and understand who he is. So here is God communicating to us this idea of things being torn open. It only comes up twice in Mark. We get the same, it's, here I'll just read, starting in verse 33 of chapter 15. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. This is Jesus being crucified. At the, the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What the ultimate what, I mean, this is what First John is talking about. This is how we know love. This is God, this is Jesus humiliating himself, receiving the punishment from God that we deserve for you, like willingly doing that for you. Think about, that. like that's God. Like he's sharing, this is how we know the character of God. The God you worship, the heavenly father, the 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 one we sing to, the one we pray to is willing to humiliate himself and take punishment before pouring it out on you. That's his character. He's communicating that to us. Some of the bystanders hearing said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And some ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And here's our word. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It's the only other place in Mark where we get this idea of the tearing. So the heavens, Jesus humbles himself. And we get to see Jesus as a man enjoying God. And the heavens tear open. And God looks at Jesus and publicly says, like, I'm, I love you. I'm pleased with you. You're my son. God is, like, the, the spirit descends in a, in, a, in a form that's visible, and God is very present with Jesus. And here's Jesus. Now we have another time where he, Jesus is humbling himself, and he cries out. And, and what's torn is the space between God's presence in the temple and the rest of the world. <laughs> so now Jesus is offering himself for us. The temple is, curtain is torn and so now you and I can step into the presence of God and enjoy him as we also humble ourselves. And not perfectly, right? <laughs> like, we suck at that sometimes, you know? Like, but that's the, that's the re, it's the, because that thing has been torn, because of his perfect humiliation and because of his perfect love, you and I now have access all the time to the glory and the majesty and the blessing that is the presence of God. Nothing can keep us from that.
said at the beginning, that we'll never have the peace and joy of God if we don't believe he is good and loving in our humiliation. We will never have the peace and joy, the presence of God, if we really don't believe he's good and loving in our humiliation. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And people have kind of pounced on that and said, look, there, there's this, there's this, um, there's Jesus like kind of communicating that he, in, in his deep humiliation, Jesus here is communicating that, that God has abandoned him. And you know, there, there is a, very little in scripture, but we can talk about the reality that there's imputation. He be, it says he became sin so that we could become the righteousness. There's, a, there's an exchange of like his perfect life. So there's some the mysterious way in which God has orchestrated that. And we can look at the Old Testament, the sacrifices, laying hand. there's a lot we could go into there. But Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. And most of us know that. He's, 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 this is the very beginning of a famous psalm, Psalm 22. And here's what, I want to read verse another, like that's the beginning. Jesus is like, here, this is a, I hate using this example, but it works. It's like a hyperlink, you know? Like you, you click on it, there's more information there, you know? He's crying out, my God, my God, why? I'm humiliated. My God, my God, why? this is how I, this is, he's a man. This is how he feels. He's God, he's also receiving the wrath but he's humiliated and he's not somehow immune to the like response to that humiliation. And I think we just have to, we have to be, we have to try hard to hold the reality that he is the eternal God. Uh, in Acts, you crucified the Lord of glory, like he's God. But also he's a person and he's deeply humiliated and he's crying out and he's saying, God, why have you put me in this place? But if we read the rest of the Psalm, look at what he says in verse 22 of Psalm 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. All who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in all of, awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. He knows that in his humiliation, he will receive a blessing. In the same way he was humiliated at the beginning of his ministry and God tore the heavens open and said, you, you're the one I'm pleased with, which had to have felt wonderful for him, he trusted and he knew even in his deepest humiliation on the cross that he would praise him and worship him and glorify him. Verse 24 says, God has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. 
my vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted, the humiliated, the, the humbled shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Here is a picture, a moment at the beginning of his ministry in his baptism, his humiliation. At the end of his ministry, in his, in his, the, the highest form of his humiliation, taking the wrath of God. But here is a man communicating to us that it's in our darkest places, it's in our humiliation. Here's the man communicating us that that's when we can actually enjoy the presence and goodness and glory of God. He knows that. Jesus believes that we're never going to have the peace and joy of God if we don't realize that that God is still loving and good in our most humiliating states. Jesus believes that and is communicating to that in his baptism and on the cross. You know, I, um, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been obsessed with drones lately <laughs> and I've already like broken and fixed one like three times over, over the last three days. Um, it's a long, yeah. It's so cool that God gives us such neat ways to experience who he is, you know? Like, I think of even just, like, the multi, like, the amount of video games we can even just, like, approach, which is, you know, part of the problem why some people, like, live in that space. But, but it's, like, there's good. There's, like, unique, like, world building. There's all, there's all kinds of, like, cool stuff in that. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I've, the thing that I, uh, my uncle died this week, um, who was the youngest of 10, um, and the most like my grandpa, like they were like bestie friends. And he, uh, he, my, I called my aunt the day after he died and we talked and she said, I really think that your grandpa and him got along because they both love like tinkering with stuff. And I was like, ah, it like crushed me. Cause I was just like talking to Bridget about how much I love like tinkering with the things and the drones and stuff, you know? Like, I love my grandpa. He was like the coolest person in my life. And he died the first year I went to college in 2003. And it was probably the first time I ugly cried in my life was at his funeral. I came up like, you know, feeling list me, like, no, 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 and just broke in front of everybody. And so it was, t it was hard to like see my uncle go um, and hear some of the like ways that that went down. But it's like, it was just, it was also just really encouraging and heartwarming in a, the conversation with my aunt is like, God is showing us his goodness and his greatness and his glory when we get to like tinker with stuff. Like that's like a neat part of being made in the image of God is to demonstrate all the wisdom and the glory and the goodness and in, in the things that we could create. Like there's like beauty there. There's like awe there. There's like glory. Like there's a reason why some people like to tinker. And you know, maybe it's not like tinkering with you. Maybe it's your plants, you know? Maybe it's your schedule. 
Maybe, you know, whatever. Maybe it's like the way you engage with people at your job. Like all of us have been given like these cool little gifts and uniquenesses and, and we get to see and just like soak in God's character through all of the good things in this world. Like I love that. But we're never going to really enjoy and have the peace of God if we don't believe that he's still just as good and loving and beautiful in our worst places. Like nothing has changed about God between those two scenarios. And I would say from Psalms, from the life of Jesus, that he's closer, he's more present, he's more intimate, he's more, you're more aware of who he is when you've been through those dark places. Sometimes those are things that are forced upon us. And I think as we grow, I think as we become more wise, I think as we demonstrate God's character better, we're more willing to step into unjust humiliation for the good of others. Like we're more willing to do that because we look more like God. And like Jesus, we know because we felt it, that we can enjoy the beauty and the presence and the glory of God, even when we do that. Even when we do that. Like there isn't a circumstance that you can't be near God in. I think we just have to, just have to believe that, I guess, because it's hard. Let's pray and ask for his help. God, you are wonderful in so many spaces. (laughs) And life is hard sometimes. Help us believe that you are still wonderful in that space. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is um, demonstrating you to us in a way that we can like see Help us realize that that, that's you. Like We're praying to our Father. We're dwelled by the Spirit. We worship the Son. It's it's all our triune God. Lord, help us just believe too that like when we see Jesus' life, um, we're not, you're not calling us to to die for the sins of others, but you are calling us to die to ourselves so that we could love and draw others into your, into you, into your glorious character. Help us believe that you'll be with us. Help us believe that you'll be near. Help us believe that you um, will show us your, your, your glory and your love, even in our, in our low moments. And, and help us, you know, if we're struggling to see that in the joys that we have in life, that you, the wonderful and beautiful things that you've given us, Lord, help us see that there's never a space that we can't, have a real sense of your pleasure and your joy and your desire to be near us. In your name I pray, amen.